darling, we're the young ones And the young ones shouldn't be afraid While the flame is strong Cause we may not be the young ones Very long Tomorrow Hey everybody, this is Chris uh, Welcome to the second episode of our Young Animal Gathering We're going to cover four books this week And uh, not a Doom Patrol in sight uh, Second episode and Doom Patrol's already late This will become a trend uh, we're going to be covering the four books. They are Cave Carson as a Cybernetic Eye number two that originally aired on November 20th, 2016. Shade the Changing Girl number three, which originally aired December 11th, 2016. Cave Carson has a Cybernetic Eye number three, which originally aired on Christmas 2016. And Mother Panic number two, which aired on New Year's Day 2017. Now, this episode comes in at around an hour and 45 minutes, which is still a little bit longer than we want, but uh, in in the interest of uh, getting these out and uh, giving you at least one of every regular Young Animal book, that's just the way it's going to be. Hope you enjoy. Once in every lifetime, comes a love like this. Oh, I need you, you need me. Welcome back. Uh, my name's Reggie. My name is Chris. And we're bringing you the Young Animal segment just like we do every time it's relevant on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast. We have one book this week for you, and uh, that one is Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye, number two, written by Gerard Way and John Rivera. Art and cover by Michael Avon Oming and Nick Filardi. Is it Oming? Am I doing it right? I think so, yes. Aiming? Oming? Oming, I believe. It has to be one of the, you know, you have to have a name that starts with two vowels. Yes. And they're not even the same vowel. No. That would be a lot easier if it was ooming, anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I Spy with My Cybernetic Eye, a conspiracy, a political coup on the Muldrugans, perpetrated by Cave Carson's employer, EBX. Seems they need his half-Muldrugan daughter, Chloe, in order to fulfill some silly prophecy. But the short of it is that Cave is now persona non grata around the EBX offices and anywhere their agents happen to see him breathing. So he grabs the new Mighty Mall Super Vehicle, picks up his buddy Wild Dog, and swings by to protect his daughter from kidnapping. This is surely going to cut into his birdhouse building time. So we jump right in, and of course we begin this comic the way many classic comics began, with a flashback. Mm-hmm. Uh, why begin, you know, can't leave off, can't pick up where we left off every time. No. Cave is uh, spelunking, he's on the trail of the magma troll that threatens the city of Muldrug. I like this little thing, it was like a, you know, it implies a large, a larger story. I, I didn't go yeah. back and check if this was like an actual, I don't think there were arcs when Cave Carson was something. 
Yeah, I don't even think he was. He was uh, just a. I, th- I don't think he had his own title. I think he shared no. titles. Yeah, right? he was. Yeah. He was like a backup uh, in in. I, I probably. I think my greatest adventure, actually, believe it or not. But uh, oh wow, okay. Yeah, and it wasn't even every issue, but you know, I'm, the Muldrugans were were a thing back then. I've learned, but whether <laughs> whether the magma troll actually threatened them, I don't know. But probably, maybe not. Uh, so a white marble bounces in from nowhere and sprouts robotic insect legs and gases cave with an anesthetic, and then it leaps up onto his face and pulls out his right eye. And you know this—it's <laughs> funny because the artwork almost changes to super gra- It's like so expressive, and then right here, where yes. the eyeballs coming out, it's so literal and uh, extra gross. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. And then presumably, and you know, I, I think we can assume that it nestles itself in its eye, in his eye socket. There's blood spurting out. He's screaming. It looks very painful. But this is the secret origin of the cybernetic eye, um, which is not what I expected. I thought it was something no. implanted there by a doctor, but I learned. That's what I thought too. I thought it was going to be uh, his top secret, you know, whatever uh, exactly. agent type yeah, thing. Exactly. His his special mining eye, his his mining agent eye or something. But uh, nope, it was uh, just kind of popped in there by some random thing he found in a cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't do that, kids. By the way. No. Now, in the present day, Chloe Carson and her slacker boyfriend, they're out and about, and uh, he, she wants to watch an old movie, which is Battle for the Earth's Core, uh, which is a real movie, by the way, and he doesn't want, he would rather get busy. He's kind of flirting with her and making the typical, <laughs> I, I like to do is that, that's like typical bad flirting young guys do, you know yeah. what I mean? Because they're just so horny all the time. <laughs> uh, everything, you know, it's like, ooh, I like the way you eat that cherry, whatever it is, you know, always some nonsense. Um, and she's not thrilled about that. She's like, man, eh, whatever. Guys, boys, you know, men. Yes. Uh, Cave heads into his EBX office rather late. Uh, now, remember, last issue, a Muldrugan did show up at his doorstep at the end, and then before it turned into this big green uh, slop monster, kind of like a green, a green like a fungus. Face. Yeah. He, he calls it a fungus, sure. You know, it's some sort of, looks like a self-replicating grossness that can attack mm. you. Uh, but its last words were EBX. So he's in there poking around the Mighty Mall, which is the new uh, updated mining vehicle that is also seems to do everything. I mean, <laughs> it's more than just a mining vehicle. Uh, he's poking around to see if he can find anything to link EBX to Muldrug. And then while he's in there, the guards show up at the cave and says the boss, Mr. Borstein, wants to see him. So he's definitely in Taruba. Wouldn't want to be in his shoes. Nope. This definitely feels like a uh, off the principal's office type Principal, situation. Yep. Yeah. When I saw, I was like, ooh, <laughs> did it? Chame, chame, chame. Um, in Paul Borstein's office, uh, this is really a a nice like mid 20th century type office. I thought, you know, it's uh, all the trappings of like sleek, sharp furniture and a fireplace. Too very nice. Yes. Uh, Boston Borstein offers Cave a drink, and he takes some diet soda cola because he has to drive later, and you know. And it looks lumpy. You think, think the soda cola looks lumpy? It looks quite lumpy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> something something's weird in there. But uh, so Paul Borstein, he sets this. Oh, he confronts uh, Cave confronts Borstein immediately with what he has heard from this Muldrugan that died on his doorstep, and. Paul Borstein hearing that is like, oh, I'm very sorry to hear that, my old man. And he uh, immediately sets a plan into motion. He presses his cell phone. It just says extract immediately. It was just waiting. It was just an app. It was the extract immediately app. You just have to press that and you're good. Yeah, it's uh, free on uh, Google Play, I think. And, and now this scene, now what do you think about this, Chris? So in this scene, I really felt like 
his cybernetic eye, his red eye, is accentuated. And we are getting a, a, a kind of a face-on look at Cave, so it's not that crazy. Yeah. But I wonder if that implies that he knows already what Borstein's doing. That, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but it's, it seems it's it seems likely. It's definitely something that could be, yeah. He, he's always scanning, you know what I mean? And like, Constantly. You'd think yep. he'd be able to see, but I, you know, they don't, if he does, he doesn't let on, and uh, it doesn't it doesn't come to anything immediately, but I, I was just curious about that, because they were so specific about, I felt like, showing his eye that there was uh, something to it. But whether there is or not, uh, Borstein reveals he knew that Cave's wife, Eileen, was really Princess Mazra Tolton Thrall, heir to the throne of Muldrug. Now, the king of Muldrug has abandoned his people, locked himself in a vault somewhere, and all of Muldrug's secrets and their mineral rights deal, they're under strict guard, Unless a member of the royal family shows up, and that's where Cave's daughter comes in, since she's she's the, you know, Cave's daughter and the Princess Mazra Tolton Pathral's daughter. She's of the bloodline. Exactly. I, I don't know whether they give you a blood test or what they have to do, but uh, <laughs> she would apparently be able to get in. Um, and just at that very moment, at her do- dorm room, two masked guys in pink t-shirts are there. Why are they in pink t-shirts? We're not sure. Uh, I hope we've actually looking at them now. They're more like golf shirts. Yeah. I didn't notice the collar, but like they're so they're really bright pink, and it's really funny. <laughs> uh, um, they uh, they trank her loser boyfriend immediately, and uh, I don't. I'm <laughs> not, Paul, not, they, what? They they ask. They ask if it's if it's Chloe Carson, and he points to her. He's like, "Yeah, right here." Yeah, what a, what a dickhead, you know. <laughs> but uh, uh, definitely no problem there, you know. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> that guy could take a take a nap for the rest of the series. I don't need to see Absolutely. Him, him anymore. Um, and then, but they try to grab Chloe, but find out that it's not doesn't happen so easily. She beats some of their asses and then jumps out of the second story window, actually throwing one of the pink shirted guys out of the window and landing on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she takes off, and Borstein's thugs are in hot pursuit. Back at Borstein's office, uh, you know, Borstein's essentially telling him, "You see things my way. If kidnapping your daughter is going to be a great idea for everybody." And he's like, "Uh huh, right, yeah, okay." And he takes that pen that he had last issue with kind of the nudie guy. You know, you yeah. slip, you slip it one way, his pants come off, and they they uh, come back on. If, if you've never seen a pen like this, people, you should really go rummage through your. Uh, your grandfather's desk if he's still around it probably has yeah. something like that in there um, but he, he he unscrews it and he mixes that with the diet soda cola and just blows like the hell I mean frankly I'm surprised they're all still alive yeah like the whole corner of the building goes up Just and like the building buckles as it blows I mean this is a big cracoon this is a yeah. big explosion I will, I'm, I'm almost positive you know then obviously he walks out uh, of the office, and you see Mr. Borstein on the ground, and I, I'm 98% sure he's just stunned. Yeah. But he could be dead. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know if he has anything below his waist right there. That could be all guts and you know blood oozing out of it. It's just really, that was a big explosion. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah, like it, it like warped the build. It looked like like a like one of them EMP pulses or something. Yeah, it's like, it like buckled. It like buckles the side yep. of the building. It's like, jeez, <laughs> this is a serious bomb you dropped here. Uh, but hey, he got his way. He was able to stroll out. Of, I, I feel like almost why couldn't he just stroll out of there? Did he have to do that? But I guess time to draw a line in the sand. You know, he's gonna yeah. go rescue his daughter. Got to do it with flair. Um, he grabs that new Mighty Maul on his way out with, with sort of the help of the front uh, the front desk guard. I like this little exchange here where he yeah. points the gun at the guards so that the cameras 
we'll see that he was threatened. <laughs> and they won't fire him. And he won't fire him. I, I dug it. I don't know. It's, yeah, like, it's definitely. like a little tiny thing, but it's it just uh, it just shows like a little bit of Cave Carson's life. Now came Chris's favorite part, without a doubt. Oh uh, yeah. Enter Wild Dog. <laughs> now in a seedy warehouse, Wild Dog is trapped by several human traffickers, uh, known as the Circle of Serpents, or they're in the Circle of Serpents. Uh, Wild Dog's protecting one of those said humans, meaning to be trafficked. Uh, also holding a gun on him because he's brainwashed. But the blood and the carnage is evident. There's been a serious battle here. This was this isn't uh, the beginning of something. This is towards no. the end. You know, <laughs> that's that's definitely the impression that we get. Um, and he's on the phone with Cave Carson while this is at while he's like, kind of like <laughs> backed up against the wall. They're kind of chit chatting. Um, then it's kind of unclear exact. I, I have to assume the Mighty Mole did something here, right? I would think so. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't Wild Dog. I'm not. It's sort of. It's not a hundred percent clear. But I. My assumption is Mighty Mole threw some kind of a lightning light lasso through everybody. Whatever happened. All this, the the circle of surfers, they turn into puddles of blood. Uh, yeah, you know, that's it. They're done. They're just bones and goop, and uh, no more child, no more human trafficking for them. Um, you know, Cave is like, come on, wild dog, we gotta we gotta scram. Uh, this guy that that the wild dog is guarding is still. He's saying glory to the circle of serpents. So, uh, wild dog tases him with a taser glove. I think this is also important that we know that he has a taser glove. Uh, yes. that, that will probably come into play later on. Um, and uh, then they, they jump in the Mighty Mole. They take off. Now they're the boys of summer. We cut, <laughs> cut over to Chloe. She's driving along. She's being pursued by these uh, Borstein's thugs and, and talking to her dad on the cell phone. Very unsafe driving. I don't. Yes. Nobody out there should follow this. Put the phone down or slow down. Use a hands-free. Exactly. That's why they're there. <laughs> uh, you know, buckle up. It's the law. All that stuff. This is not. Mm-hmm. Kids, do not follow this. So, uh, you know, it, it's funny. He's so they're talking on the phone. She's like, I'm being chased. You know. Uh, actually, she mentions her boyfriend's name here, Daniel. But we can just call him loser. I don't really care. I like that. Um, heading. You know, she's uh, telling her telling him where she is, and she, and he shows up right there. It's a, this is a great panel. Mighty, oh, it's wonderful. Mighty Mole just blasts out from, I guess, from underground or something, or next to her, or up the side of that cliff or something like that. Um, and then it just gets crazier from there. <laughs> they pull ahead of the pack. Wild Dog gets out on the Mighty Mole uh, with what looks like a serious freaking gun. I mean, this is this is like a uh, anti-aircraft gun or something like that. You know, this is a this is this is a mega gun. <laughs> And, this uh, is the gun you get in GTA when you're like three quarters of the way through the game. That's that's probably what I thought. <laughs> the, the, they, they got a gun like this in uh, the new Fallout that you can pull off, off of okay. the helicopter. You know what I mean? So, yep. <laughs> so it's it's like some kind of crazy Gatling type gun, and uh, he absolutely blows these these other guys away, these thugs. And when I say blows them away, like one guy, half of his head is removed. It simply <laughs> ceases to exist. His teeth <laughs> are still there. You see that? That's but, it. The top half of his head has been removed very efficiently and looking cleanly. Uh, the car, that their car wrecks against a... Well, actually, I thought it was against a tree, but looking at it, this looks like it sort of just turned over just and wrecked. Like old, yeah. uh, this is a great panel also, where you see them in the car sort of trapped and bleeding and dying, and they each take this glowing green pill um, for the glory of who knows what they, they, they're saying. Mez Hred Young, young Priaz, whatever that means. 
to the great beast we offer our flesh. I love how the, the blood pools at the bottom and you see the skeleton faces. In the uh, reflection, yeah. Yeah, it's just a totally, it's a totally like expressive panel. It's an excellent page, yeah. But whatever that, uh, whatever that pill was, it is creates or foments this uh, parasitic green monster that attacked Cave last issue, and it bursts out from the wreck, and it's about to attack Wild Dog and Cave, and it is to be continued. Now, Chris is going to take the backup and explain everything that happens. <laughs> right? You got, you got no, that. Was, no problem, right? It was pretty straightforward. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was... You know, it was we had the Wonder Twins. We had Gleek, the monkey. Um, we about. had uh, we had Captain Marvel, but the Marvel was blacked out, so it's just Captain. Yeah, uh, and and and, and, and it seems Miracle. to be an allusion to Jesus, the two of them, or maybe to Prometheus. It's kind of yeah. He's he's got a uh, well, ca- uh, Captain Marvel Junior. Here he's got uh, the stigmata. He's got the uh, the nails through the through his palms. Yeah, um, and through his feet. and through his feet, and 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 also Freddie Freeman too. He's got the on the other side. The same uh, thing. Yep. Guy from the Sea it's- Devils is there. Man, we got the uh, we got Mr. Miracle, but not any Mr. Miracle that most of our listeners have heard of. Nope, it's like this is uh, the original Mr. Mo- Mr. Miracle, uh, Thaddeus Brown, so the one who uh, Scott Free got his uh, his gig from. His, his his style from, yeah, it's yeah. so uh, yeah, and then uh, yeah, Wonder Twins, Gleek, they're a bunch of Gleeks. Anyway, what the point is, sort of we sort of I don't know what, what we would call impressionistic. Uh, I don't know what's, what's this is much more of an art. These are much more of art pages to me than they are a narrative. You know what I mean? What you're doing is you're yeah. looking at layout. You're looking at uh, technique. Uh, and, and to that end, I like it a lot. As far yeah. as uh, a narrative that's going to do... It seems to have no effect on the Cave Carson book whatsoever. None. And I'm not, e- I'm not even <laughs> sure if... I mean, I looked at Wonder Twins Part 1, and yeah, it had the same characters, but it seemed to have nothing like this in style or tone. This is like a... They, they're in... Victorian times for some reason. I don't really understand. I'm not even sure it's in English. It's very strange, but I, <laughs> but I, I don't hate it. Uh, like all like all the backups so far in all these young animal books, they've been nothing for me to say. You know, I, I think about and you know this is a totally different type of comic. But like Suicide Squad is a comic where some of those backups truly could stand on their own. Especially mm-hmm. since in the Suicide Squad they're often like ten pages. That's a yeah, they're over half to yeah, make so, up for Jim Lee. So you're get, you're getting quite a chunk, but but some of them truly I think were, are really good. And I'm like, if you didn't like that one, then you, if you like the backup, it's worth three bucks. This yeah. the backup has no mark, you know, merit or detraction from the book at all. They're fine. Yeah, there there ain't a whole lot you can do with the two pages. Though. It's true. Yeah, so. hey, he's you got I mean three here. He's got three whole pages. But you're right. Yeah, it's, that's right. Yeah, it's 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 really seems more like almost a portfolio piece. Uh, hmm. But I like it. I I don't hate it, but it's just not really. Yeah. If if it wasn't here, I wouldn't even notice. So that's yeah. really where I'm at with it. <laughs> uh, it doesn't seem to do much for. But but. We both did like this book a lot. Uh, Mark, yeah. much more, you know, much feeling much more enthusiastic than the last issue. Uh, what, what were your impressions of it, Chris? Um, you know, I, when I first heard this was coming out, I figured it was going to be like a two-fisted man of action type thing. Mm. And it is, but it's not at the same time. I mean, it's uh, very strange, <laughs> but yeah. it's great. And uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm one of the one of the few people who have a have an affection for a wild dog that isn't ironic yep. and doesn't say so to be contrarian but uh i, I love his inclusion here and, and it makes perfect sense um he makes a great sidekick 
yeah. cave. Um, I, I, you know, when, when I first saw him, I was like, I think both of us were like, that's weird. But now... Yeah, it's like, where is this going to... Yeah. Seeing the tone of the book and seeing where he can fit in, which is essentially to, you know, blast people away and, you know, cause mm-hmm. massive amounts of gore, uh, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely... It's a cool inclusion. It sort of, like, rounds out uh, the cast a little bit, I think. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, I, I definitely was still a little bit reserved. My, my uh, misgivings about the book really had to do with most of the information, as you saw, what really took place in that office. That was like... Yeah, it was an info dump. The whole story was just divulged. But when I look back, it was only three pages. And the more... I, and I've now had to page through this probably the four or even five times now, just going through reviewing and then doing, you know, preparing for this episode. And then just now, I like it more every time. So, yeah. Um, and I'd, I think I'd rather the three-page info dump than having having that be stretched out to five or six issues. Or or even, you know, sometimes it can be spaced. I mean, one good thing about having it uh, in those three pages is that they were able to save action. Save a lot of yeah. the other pages for some great action scenes. I mean, there are some... Yeah, it gets it out of the way. Really cool action scenes in here. You know, uh, you know this, this the panel with the crashed car, that's one whole page. But it's even awesome. like when the uh, you know when the mighty mall shows up, that's half the page. They're able to they're able to give you some good, uh, you know, large large scale action in this book, and it's it's could be paying off. If the book goes like this, then this could become you know one I really look forward to a lot. Uh, as it yeah. is, as it is, I'm already looking forward to. It. I don't know why I even said that because it's not like I'm like <laughs> oh, now I'm like a oh, drudgery. But I'm definitely getting more enthusiastic. I gave it on the site. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10, and I think, it, you know, as I usually say, I vacillate between half a point as I do that, and this time I, I went more, uh, you know, reserved. I gotta say that looking through it this many times, and the fact that I'm enjoying it more is a great sign for a comic book, because it's usually the reverse, right, Chris? You know, yeah. like, <laughs> usually by the, if you read a comic three times, you may never, ever read that comic again for the rest of your life. <laughs> no, and you'll be okay with that. And you'll be okay with it. I mean, there are comics that get, you know, uh, constant rereads, but they are few and far between. Um, yeah. And so that, that that is a good sign. So I would even say for the special podcast number I'd give it, I'd give it a solid eight. I wouldn't even pussyfoot around anymore. What, what do you think about a number? Eight is eight's a great number for this because there is a there is definitely room for improvement, but it's it's still fantastic. I mean, uh, it's uh, you know it seems like a shade and cave are teetering for my second favorite young animal title right now. So uh, yeah. I, uh, I I know which one is not in the running, but uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> and I know which one is clearly on top. But uh, yeah, this one I was not expecting to dig at all. But uh, and it's it's been such a a wonderful surprise. Yeah, this really was a, a kind of a wild card for us because we didn't have any prior cave experience, nor did I really think it was going to be like you just said. You you thought it was going to be two fisted action, and I was yeah. like, well, I mean, I, yeah, I like my action, but is that going to give me the weird? The yeah, weirdness I, I, I need, and it seems I, like it is, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know if it was going to be like Guy Gardner punching dinosaurs in the face, you know? For example. <laughs> I didn't know if that's what it was going to be. Yeah, which, you um, know, I could take some of, too. Don't get me wrong. Sure, but, uh, absolutely, 100%. But uh, I think I was kind of pre-designed not to like this just because of the, I, I, the title's a little too cute. Yeah. You know, I, I, when I heard that that was like Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye was going to be the actual title for this, I was like, ah, oh, screw that. 
Yeah, you were but, already, uh, already coming up with the uh, anime theme song, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it just it just seemed a little too cute, but uh, it it's been it's been a wonderful surprise. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I can't deny. I mean, like this art style, this mid-century coloring with the bende dots and kind of like yeah. a, a very uh, I can't. It's hard to explain. It reminds me of like a. 50s commercial style, but it's definitely tweaked to be a little uglier, and I mean that in, in a purposeful way. You know, I don't mean it's yeah. ugly, like hard to look at, but there are just ugly things happening, and things get kind of gross and splotched. Yeah, um, there's re- realism in there. Yeah, I, I really, I really got to find out why these guys have pink shirts, though. Like, what is the deal with that? But <laughs> we might find that. Out. Hopefully, we will find out. The the pink shirt brigade. Uh, but that's it for this issue. We really enjoyed, and you know, so far this line has been a pleasant surprise. I'm glad it got dumped mm-hmm. on us because we control everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have any young animal for two more weeks. Yes. Uh, the next young animal book coming out is Shade the Changing Girl number three. That'll be out on December seventh, uh, a day which will live in infamy because of that comic, I'm sure. Probably. Um, but. That doesn't mean that Chris and I aren't going to be invading the podcast for the next two weeks. We have uh, something special planned for next week that's a little out of the ordinary, you know, something we've never done before. And uh, the following week, something else we've never done before. And it's so unusual, we're not even sure what it's going to be. But that will be the 100th yes. episode of the Weird Science DC Comics podcast. So we're going to be we're going to be on there, folks. We're going to be doing something. So absolutely. Um, if you have any questions, comments, you know where to hit us up on Twitter. You know where to get us this site on uh, uh, Gmail. So, you know, you know how to get at us, folks. And uh, is that all? Got anything else for him, Chris? I think that'll do us. Well, until next time, keep it young and animalistic. See ya. segment my name is reggie my name is chris and uh you know you hear us every time there is a young animal book on uh coming out this week on the weird science dc comics.com podcast and even when there isn't a young animal book you still hear us doing something uh, as you heard last <laughs> week we did the uh shade the changing woman and uh doom patrol issues 100 yep uh i was glad to see that kind of tripped a couple of people up they thought it was a straight review at it was first, legit, yep. <laughs> until the guy, you know, which I thought was pretty interesting. That means that they were, first of all, totally fine with the date being uh, 2024. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it all, you know, it all starts out. They were perfectly fine with like Squirrel Girl being on the Doom Patrol and mm-hmm. uh, Marvel having sold, uh, having bought DC, but licensed the characters to Dark Horse. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that they were all like, I guess I didn't read about that, but all right, that's fine, you know. But uh, bleeding cool is behind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, 
But anyway, this week we do actually have an actual young animal book that came out. We do. And uh, Chris and I are going to talk about it. What's the book, Chris? This is Shade the Changing Girl, number three, written by Cecil Castellucci, with art by Molly Zarcon and Kelly Fitzpatrick. Came out the 7th, $3.99 cover price. Now, they say when you fall off a horse, you got to get back on. But what then, when you almost drown, do you just jump back in? Well, if you're Megan Boyer, better known to us as Shade, that's exactly what you do. It's not what you want to do, it's what you have to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> it's not as though the body inhabiting Metten that we know as Loma has anything to worry about. She knows she can swim just fine. It's not until she dives in that she realizes that the body may be willing, but the flesh ain't hers. Uh, during this issue of Shade, we join Loma as she learns that before Shade can find her place in the world, she must find her own place within Shade. Yeah, that's uh, pretty deep stuff. I, you know, I really love the way this book starts. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's, you know, Shade, aka Megan, aka Loma, uh, standing on the side of the pool. But all the caption thinking that Loma's doing and explaining that, like you said, she she knows how to swim, mm-hmm. but she has feathers. Yeah, and uh, you know, she doesn't know how to swim in a in a human in a body. human body. So uh, it, it's just it's just it's just one page of pretty cool dialogue and you know art that is shade esque. I think we could call it now. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, let's see here. Yeah, we like you said, shade sitting here poolside. But the funny thing is, her coach, the swim coach, is relentlessly tooting on her whistle, trying to get her to hop in the pool. Yeah. You know, you know, she just came out of a coma. What yesterday? Two days ago? Uh, even if it was a week, I mean, I, <laughs> even if it was I, a month ago, <laughs> you'd think she would get the the rest of the year off at least for the swim team. You know, like, all right, you're off a of PE, you almost died in the pool, uh, but nope, she's uh, got to get back in. You, you son of a gun, you know, get in there. You figure you should be like, ooh, ooh, I got a note. <laughs> oh, oh no, <laughs> no, doesn't work. So the uh, the coach is kind of a dick. Um, like you said, Loma feels confident. But, uh, you know, she's not in her own body. Uh, Shade jumps in and immediately begins flailing and uh, maybe drowning again, only to be saved by the little girl teacup. Uh, While she flails, the pool becomes uh, infested with that odd, gloppy madness that we become uh, familiar with. Yeah, eyeballs and... And like a weird, bumpy tongue. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it looks like teeth. I'm not sure. But yeah, Yeah. some sort of a goopy monster has appeared in there. Yeah, and uh, you know while she's drowning, and Teacup is saving her, the rest of the team laughs at her. <laughs> so it's like I wonder, like, was Megan just such a terror that that people hate her, or do people hate her that caused her to become, you know, an asshole? Yeah, well, this issue definitely does solidify that people hate her for sure. Yes. Uh, you know, yes. as to the extent of why, and you know, all the details, I, I assume that'll come out, but. This one shows that her relationship with pretty much everyone except for her one boyfriend was antagonistic. So yes. as we go on, we'll show more of that. <laughs> now the coach starts yelling at her for not being able to swim. Yeah. It's like, you're you're out for today. It's like, that's great. <laughs> it's like, what is this, the army? Yes. Uh, uh, Megan gets approached by her uh, pre-drowning boyfriend, uh, Wes, and he offers to help her swim again. Um, so Shade asks, you know, if I'm such a good swimmer and I'm part of the team, how did I drown? But doesn't get a uh, adequate reply. Yeah. He, he he gets she gets three dots, which is you know she gets the ellipsis, yeah. ma- manga for hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's manganese. Yeah. Um, 
Now we get a little bit of psychedelia, and then we meet up with Lapuck and his band on Meta. They they got uh, some good sound, huh? Yeah, seems like it. <laughs> what what is the uh, what is the sound effect here? It's like doot doot doot. Doo. Yeah, doot. Yeah. Uh, and they, he's playing what I the instrument that uh, this guy's playing. I don't know what, what it is. A saxophone guitar. Saxophone guitar. Uh, yeah. Something uh, maybe even like a. Uh, a, a uh, sousaphone in there or something and even even the woman playing some sort of a I don't know what it is and a recorder yeah they go to like the HR Geiger uh, music show <laughs> something yeah it looks like that <laughs> to be honest what, what she it looks like what she's playing looks like something you smoke more than you play to be honest with you it does it does <laughs> <laughs> now uh, after the little uh, their rock performance a reporter who looks like she could be Hellboy's sister uh, begins sniffing around and asks about the whereabouts of the M-Vest uh, Lepuck says he has no idea he's still hung up on Loma uh, even though she dumped him for a coat. Uh, he tells a, one of his pals that he's got something to show him if he promises not to freak out. I wonder what that could be. Uh, we shift back to Earth, and we uh, we see poor Teacup. She's, she's going through her computer and uh, scrolls through a bunch of uh, nasty notes making it center, or nasty emails. Yeah. Why would you save these? And there's so many of them too. It's <laughs> unbelievable. And like the titles are uh, "Kill Yourself," "I'll yes. Tell Everyone I Have Pictures of You," "Grow Gills Next Time." It, <laughs> it must be hard being must ugly. Must be hard being <laughs> ugly. It's, uh, a cups, you have teacups, something like that. It's like, oh my <laughs> god! Like, like what? Every day she would. Several times a day. <laughs> Several times a day. Good God. Reminder. These people, you know, I tell you, teenagers have a lot of free time. Too much free time to be harassing each other this much, you know. They do, and too much, uh, too much data on their phones. Yeah, really. Let's <laughs> see. Uh, we shift over to the cool kids sitting on a uh, sitting on a uh, couch like they're sitting at the the, the Central Park on Friends or something. Mm. They're uh, discussing Megan, and the old boyfriend is there. Asked, and he's asked why he still digs her. Doesn't really have an answer. No. Uh, we go back to Shade as she returns home, and uh, she decides, or Loma decides, that it's time to perform some metan meditation. Uh, to, and she goes up to her bedroom to do so, but uh, <laughs> drops a weird bit of a pseudo talk towards her parents as she walks in, and they claim that they don't they don't understand her anymore. And the father says, oh, "I never understood her." So we get an idea that the uh, the family life isn't that tight. No, and and this metan meditation is really illuminating too. It's she kind of goes into, uh, I guess even we'll talk about it in a minute, but you know goes into her memories. I I really like in this first part of it though. This definitely is a nod to Windsor McKay, don't you think? I think so. You see what I'm talking about? Just the way her face is. I might be reading so much into it, but just that I kind of wish they had carried it along more. Uh, Some Mm -hmm. other pals like that, but anyway. Looks like Little Nemo in Slumberland. That's what all I'm getting at, slightly. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, we uh, this is this is like you said, this is very very well done. The uh, the panel progression is cool here because, mm. you know, we actually get we get the uh, the idea that there's actually movement. You know, we got Loma crawling into the mouth and going and actually like walking or floating through these memories. Mm-hmm. So it's a very very nice expositional tool where like we're getting this background but it's entertaining and it's not it's not an info dump. Um or it is an info dump but it's disguised as storytelling. It is exactly. Just and, just fine. Yeah, and it's like your eye has to do something instead of just read text, you know, your eyes Yeah, you're actually around. traveling. You're yeah. seeing scenes happen, so it's cool. 
Yeah, we go all the way back to her uh, young childhood, and uh, she's scared of monsters under a bed, and her, her mom's kind of an asshole to her, saying, yeah. don't be stupid, <laughs> or, or, or you're stupid. There's no, no such thing as monsters. Um, now, we see her mom being an asshole to her, and the next scene, we see her being an asshole to Teacup. Says that, uh, you know, I'm in charge here. You do what I tell you. If I tell you to drown, you drown. Uh, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, we get a little we get a little bit with her and her uh, boyfriend. Uh, we get them uh, kind of having a good time on the bed and then pointing up to Ma's. Yeah, I kind of see maybe what he sees in her now is that <laughs> she is that she she'll lie on the bed with him and straddle him. You know, I, I don't want to. This isn't sex happening, but it's teenage makeout time, and you, I start yeah. to see his interest in this. There you go. <laughs> uh, now, just before we get to the good stuff here, the meditation is interrupted. She's got to go walk the dog. Uh, yeah, so she uh, goes outside, and as luck would have it, it's the same time that her next-door neighbor, River, is throwing out the garbage. Um, since uh, he's the only person that could even be bothered to be semi-nice to her, she asks him for information on her prior life. She wants to know, you know, why, what, what is this? What's going on with this body? Uh, he uh, reluctantly shows her the uh, Megan Boyer Toxic Human Safe Space fake book page unbelievable uh, wow yes but uh you know I'm, I'm sure these things exist in the real world which is kind of precious isn't it it is very much so yeah uh, but you know this uh <laughs> you know this whole thing with her her neighbor too like being kind to her i think it's because he doesn't really know her right he yeah he's uh, he's new right yeah I, I i guess he's new to the neighborhood and I, it, seems yeah. like, it seems like he knows about her enough to have wanted to avoid her but he doesn't know enough about her to like first you know, hand, yeah. Exactly. I don't think she's ever done anything to him. I also no. the fact that he's is Die Die My Darling a band now, or is that just the Misfits song? Do you think? He's wearing a Die Die My Darling sweatshirt. I'm that's probably the Misfits song, right? I was curious anyway. Yeah, I would yeah. I would think so, but I'm, it was uh it's not seeing the misfit skull. I wasn't sure what to make of that's it. That's true. That wasn't there. <laughs> Maybe that's uh, copywritten. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, on this fake book page, uh, classmates or uh, acquaintances with Megan share their horror stories with their dealings with her. And three of them are uh, editors on this title. Uh, oh, <laughs> we yeah. I didn't realize that. Holy cow. Good. And actually, a lot of them. Becky did the cover. Yep. Gerard yep. It's, uh, yeah. But we're gonna we're gonna go with three here. We got uh, Molly, who I think is probably editor Molly Mahan. She said that Megan dared me to take a cup of water from the toilet she left to turn in. <laughs> God damn, that's weird. Yeah, that's uh, bad. <laughs> Jamie, who I'm guessing is Jamie S. Rich, says she said I was the ugliest on the inside four semesters in a row. Wow. Yes, and uh, Gerard, which is probably our guy, says holler if she had incriminating pictures of you. Anyone know how to hack her computer? Wow. So uh, yeah, she's uh, she's not well liked. She's not well regarded, and uh, she's left an impression on a lot of different people. <laughs> not a, not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> now moving into here is where this is where I, I kind of got lost here. Um, we get this strange scene where you know uh, Shade is still looking at the computer screen, but inside her head, I guess, we got Loma hanging out in a desert with like Thelma and Louise or something. Um, they're, they're drinking. Uh, what are they drinking, like martinis, martinis or whatever? Yeah, some sort of mart, or maybe a cosmopolitan. I'm not sure. Maybe no, it looks like yeah. a martini because it has olives. In that glass, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, there's a mushroom cloud explosion on the horizon, and then Megan starts to seize. Yeah. Uh, the uh, madness begins infiltrating River's bedroom, and uh, now we know that River can see it. 
This, he sees this goop. This was such an important scene. This little stupid yes. panel is like the question we've had all along. Like, do people mm-hmm. see this stuff? And yeah, yes, uh, you know, I, <laughs> or at least the, he does. Well, <laughs> that's true. It could it could just be him. Maybe it's just people that you know already don't hate her can see it or so, some sort of he has hmm. a special ability. Also, I still I don't get the impression like so when she has the seizure, you can see fingers coming through the floor. There's an eyeball. There's goop yep. kind of rising behind him. I don't get the impression he sees the extent of it, or maybe he doesn't see what we're seeing exactly, but it's enough that he knows there's some goop. There's something. There's some, something going on. Something yeah. weird has happened. It's it's so it's so hard to explain because you know you're so used to what you see on panel is. Yeah. You know that's if if you see it and, and if it's invisible you you draw it with a dotted outline. You know sure, that's, sure. that's how we do it. You know, <laughs> uh, but you know pretty much you know what you see what what the action everyone can see it but. It, there seems to be a, the, the line is blurred here. Like we can see things that not everyone I think is seeing it in the same way, and uh, yeah. hopefully this. And will... that's going to become clear towards the end of the issue. Definitely, gonna... yeah, it will. <laughs> that becomes a very vital point. Um, now, you know, he he holds this stuff in his hand. He's like, "What is this?" And she just goes, "It's your room." Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if she realizes he can't see it, or maybe she can't see it. Who knows? Maybe the madness makes it so she can't see this stuff. Um, I don't even know. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> now we uh, we fly back to Meta, and uh, Lapuck shows his buddy what he's got, and it's Loma under glass. Uh, Loma wearing the M vest, actually under glass. The pair try to break into this tomb where she lays, and their muscle and their flamethrowers and all their stuff doesn't doesn't prove to be enough. So they call in Grimace from McDonald Land, otherwise known <laughs> as Thump. <laughs> and uh, you know their combined muscle. We it's it's left to our imagination if they're able to get in, or maybe it'll continue next issue. Yeah. Uh, we pop back to uh, to Earth. River is reading about aliens, perhaps thinking that Shade is one. Um, Shade calls her ex-boyfriend Wes and agrees to let him show her how to swim. And the next day is the swim lesson. Uh, Shade proves to be a pretty quick study. Uh, Wes still is hung up on her, wants to get back together. And she claims that while she knows, you know, in her head she only knows that they have some sort of connection, the body remembers him. Hmm. Which doesn't freak him out in the least. No, well, he's probably thinking sex, hey, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I remember that too. Mm-hmm. Dry humping on your bed, woo. <laughs> now, uh, so, this is great. Yeah, some of Megan's uh, teammates enter the scene and they just start bitching her out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you don't belong here anymore. You're gone. You don't. You, you can't hack it anymore. Um, at this point, Loma decides to tap into Megan's rage and embraces it, which causes all sorts of madness to fill the scene. And it's a it's a pretty wild scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Shade. Uh, you know, she's in the pool. She begins to hover out of the pool. Or at least she's like able to stand on the water, I guess. Yeah, it's or yeah, like it, she's standing on the madness, something like that. <laughs> Maybe, <I'm not> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she just pounces on one of the mean girls and just starts beating the hell out of her. Uh, you know, from what we see, she's like she's just like digging her fingers into her skull. <laughs> uh, bugs start crawling out of her mouth. It, yeah. it, it's pretty wild. She's sharing. She's sharing the madness with her. Is the idea? Yes. But in the next panel, it looks like she's just beating her. In the yeah, face. from from what the bystanders can see, it's just she's kind of uh, straddling her and punching her in the face. Um, and you know, it, it it didn't it clearly didn't get that wild because the coach just walks in and gives them detention. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, 
It's like, oh, you tried to kill her. Yeah, you have some, have some detention. All right, this is a t- this this coach is tough as nails. Let me tell you, this this is the the original walk it off coach. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Put some dirt on it, uh, and. Uh, at this point, Shade begins to feel a hunger for the madness. The madness is calling to her. And I'm hopeful that maybe next issue takes place in detention. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think I, that could be interesting. I guess that makes sense, yeah. And then see what kind of madness can be infected in there. You know, I, mm-hmm. I basically I'm giving this, you know, I'd say six issues to come a lot clearer for me. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be going, it's progressing pretty well as we go along, where I'm learning more each issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... You know, if, if by the end of six, we're, we're still not positive whether <laughs> what the nature of the. But, you know, the way this this last uh, panel is done, the way you mentioned, like you say, we see her kind of reach into this girl's skull and draw her, uh, presumably make her crazy. Uh, and then in the last panel, it's unclear the way she's even holding her head, whether she's crazy or whether she's just just shielding herself shielding her eyes you know what i mean it, it's it's well done in that way it really could still go either way right now as to like how much this madness leaks into our reality or you know whatever mm-hmm. it is so uh i really appreciated that keeps the mystery going and uh, sure but, but, but moves it forward at the same time this uh, you know we mentioned it before we recorded that i said this issue really helped to put a lot of pieces together for me and kind of solidify the story that's happening you know it's it was mm-hmm. really getting it was a little amorphous. I was, you know, like I say, I was still enjoying it, but we're really starting to kind of circle the drain on, on the point of what's going on here. The, the main characters that are interested in this MVEST and uh, invested in Loma and yeah. this whole ongoing. So uh, it was a good time. And then, of course, there was the lovely backup. It was a riff on Dial H for Hero. Yeah. Uh, I thought it made pretty clever use of the dial because, you know, it just made a – it put together a whole bunch of words that had H, E, R, and O in it mm. or, or some combination of those letters. But overall, it was pretty boring. I agree. I uh, uh, didn't really love the art either, although I can't – No, the art was kind of sketchy. Yeah, I can't really claim to hate it, but it that didn't help either, you know. Uh, no. Didn't call to me. I mean, I felt I felt like the the premise was clever to re, to use the letters in this way. Yeah. But not every instance of using them was that clever. <laughs> no, no, it was it was kind of like they 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 dropped it into Google and tried to. Yeah. <laughs> what can I use? What can I make with these letters? Uh, much and, better. Uh, I just went from there. Much better. I enjoyed the uh, who's who in DC things in the back as they as they have in this one all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I really wish they would just do a full-size version of that so I can file them away with my ones from the uh, 80s. That must be killing you, right? right? It, it <laughs> is, because really... I, I got that little freebie they gave out, but I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Oh, I can't no. put this anywhere. Oh, i got to go to the Xerox. i got to go pay a nickel at the <laughs> I Xerox blow it machine. Up. i got to do it, you know? <laughs> um, but... But anyway, but as usual, the backup didn't didn't detract or add to this book no, for me. I, I have no no real huge complaints about it, but I don't really like it that much either. So no, nah, if it wasn't here, it wouldn't have changed any of my thoughts no. on it. And if it, and if it was a great story, it probably wouldn't have changed it either because it's only two or three pages. So. Yeah, so it's 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 not a, it's not anything to uh, really comment on too much. But uh, you like the issue, huh? I did. I thought this was uh, probably the strongest issue yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, uh, things are becoming uh, nebulously more more clear. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, it's not uh, you know we we don't know we can't go from A to B yet. But yeah. uh, it, you know it's it's still intriguing. Um, I do like that there is 
you know, like a lot of people use odd psychological stuff in their stories to make it seem deep. But uh, one of the things that I, one of the main themes of this series, I think, is finding oneself. And uh, I really like that we've got two disparate characters in one body, both trying to find themselves in a way. Yeah. Like uh, we don't, like I said in the intro here, we don't know Shade's place in the world, and we don't know Loma's place in Shade. Yeah. So it's uh it's it's it is a lot of a uh, it's a lot of uh, potential for uh, just some interesting uh, debate, interesting conversation, um, and I, I look forward to it. I, I, uh, I, I think finding out more about Megan too, and that she's not a nice person, is something. Also, I think you expect the protagonist to be nice. Uh, but well, she, at least redeemable. Exactly. And it doesn't seem like she is yet. You know, yeah, I mean, and that's, uh, we're, we're also going to find out possibly, you know, that, that little scene with her mother and then, you know, with her friend when she's younger. They kind of give a little background as to why she's uh, such an unpleasant person now. But um, as it is now, I mean, you know, as far as I believe and understand it, she's not, she's dead. You know, Loma has, yeah. it has taken over her body, but without Loma, there is just a, you know, dead body. So. You know, Megan is done. Uh, yeah. So we're we're yeah, learning just about some memories a, hanging on, and that's yeah. it's a, it's a resonance basically. And, and and that's all we we're learning about is a set person, and like as, so discovering that person also is very interesting, much more interesting I think than just a you know a kind, polite person Phew. usually would be. <laughs> <laughs> but what I what I'm really looking forward to is if next issue is a young animal take on the Breakfast Club. Yeah. I, I, I hope that that's where we're going with this. Yeah, you want the you want uh, Loma to come in with the fingers out. Two months, I got you for two <laughs> months. Shade. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with you. This is a really well constructed uh, story yeah. and a, and a well constructed book. I think the pacing is spot on, even though it leaves us in the dark or in the psychedelic Paisley uh, design yeah. for <laughs> a lot of things. It's it's still, it's it comes into focus, I feel like, at a good rate. Here at issue three, I feel like I know enough for, to be in, disinvested in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, specifically saying it to be $12 invested in this thing, essentially. I feel like I, I've gotten a good half a story here, so I'm ready mm-hmm. to take some more on. And uh, I, I also like, you know, I mentioned, you know, Megan is not a kind person, but also Loma is sort of portrayed as like a, you know... Selfish. Uh, yeah, as a selfish t- teenager, really, or teenage-type yeah. person. It's unclear whether they, they all seem young, that whole band. I'm not sure what age they are. It's, it's sort of aliens, so... Yeah, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll translate, but yeah, a selfish, narcissistic person, uh, mm-hmm. prone to like you know heady poetry and all kinds of things that are not unique. Uh, but you know, you associate usually with kind of a space cadet or, or yeah, or, or someone who who's fallen in love with their first year college uh, philosophy professor or something. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's exactly you know. There's something very. Even though even though Loma's an alien, something very human about it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we and we and we all have been there at some to some extent at some point in our lives. Uh, sure. Thought we had all the answers. Thought we you know understood truth and beauty. You have to you yeah, have to yeah. hit thought about we saw, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thought we saw something in something that no one else noticed. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Or, or you know that we could change somebody. That's always a good one. But uh, mm-hmm. it's when you hit. Uh, age 30, folks, is when you start to realize that uh, life is just a series of disconnected events. There's no such thing as fate, and we are all adrift in the blackness of the world. So it's uh, 
that's in that's in a couple of your futures. So uh, <laughs> look forward to that. That's that's welcome that one. What is a man? Just a despicable pile of lies. Exactly. <laughs> that's what you, right around right around thirty. You start to get that going. I think so. Yeah. So, Maybe twenty-eight. But, but before that, <laughs> it's uh, you could be very optimistic. So uh, what did you give this one? I gave it. I, I even cranked it above the halfway point here. Yeah. I gave it an eight point six. I saw that. You were like, "Whoa!" Yes. Give that point one. Just giving them out. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> me, I, I'm a little bit more conservative. I went eight point five. But uh, I'd say we're pretty close. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Margin of error. Point one percent. Yeah, we're within each other's margin of error. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I thought I thought it was yeah. a real fun issue. The art has never been in contention. I like it a lot, and I like the trippy scenes. And uh... and I like that the trippy scenes are they're more condensed now. It's not like it, like it feels like earlier the psychedelia was used kind of willy nilly. Yeah. By comparison, where now it's kind of it's purposeful because it's condensed. And, uh, it was sort of I, always kind of hanging around her before. But, yeah. But now it seems to be uh, happening for a reason. Yeah, it wasn't just it wasn't just psychedelic because this is a weird book. Now it's psychedelic because it's something is going on that that you know requires it. Yeah, it's uh yeah exactly like when she's in the pool and that weird yeah. tongue monster or or the whole memory scene is is just mm-hmm. really well done. So uh, kudos to this book. It's definitely sure. a good deal if you are enjoying the weirder side of things this is uh, a book you should definitely check out and it's definitely colorful if you like that it is colors are in it, it. but you know next week we do not it's another week we don't have a young animal book believe it or not yeah yeah so we are going to do something crazy folks that we will mm-hmm. not reveal right now but i i have a plan and uh, after that i think we start to get a couple of books uh, i know doom patrols the end of the month like i'm guessing yeah. cave carson and Mother Panic will slip in there somewhere, so... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we get all three the same way. <laughs> I have a feeling. I, I have this... I, I I should just look, but I'm, I, I'm almost dreading looking. I just know we're going to yeah. be like, all right, folks, here is the Young Animal Podcast, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we have we have four weeks of nothing and then one week with everything. Settle into here. Chris and Reggie <laughs> talk about Young Animal for the next t- two hours. Three days. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, if that's what we got to do, that's what we're going to do, guys. Uh, you know, we're enjoying this line uh, for the most yeah, part. it's great. Definitely has been a good fun, and Shade is uh, the second best book. I think we can both. I think definitely. Agree, uh, that one. So. You're yeah, I don't think that, I don't think Doom Patrol is in any kind of peril of getting knocked off the throne at this not, point. Not yet. Although you know, I I hate even though I gave it a ten out of ten last week. I uh, there's still a part of me that's just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. But I think that's just maybe, yeah. maybe my nature. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. Just suspicious of something going off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think, I'm with you. I think that buttons it up for us this week. Got anything else for him, Chris? No, that'll that'll do us. Well, until next time, I want you to keep it young and animalistic.
welcome back to Young Animal a segment here on the Weird Science DC Comics dot com podcast. Uh, hey. There's Chris. I'm Reggie, and this week we have something very special for you—an actual comic book from Young Animal. Uh, they released one. Yeah, we don't always get that, but this time <laughs> around we they were able to squeak one out, so uh, we picked it up. And that comic book is Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, number three. Uh, stories titled Deep Issues, written by Gerard Way and John Rivera, art by Michael Avon Oming, Col- colors by Nick Filardi, backups by Tom Scolari, and it went on sale December 21st, 2016. So we're going to dive right into this book right here. The uh, first page is sort of a prologue, but for the sake of narrative, we're going to get back to that later. We're going to jump right into the action that picks up exactly where the last comic left off. Uh, Cave is driving, or would you call that piloting? The uh, Mighty Mole. He is navigating it. He is taking it through. It's it's definitely (laughs) more than a car, but less than a plane. I don't know, or a boat. So it it seems to do everything. But he's navigating the uh, Mighty Mole. Wild Dog still standing on the outside of the craft, uh, having just blown away a car full of guys that turned into that big fungus monster. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's enticing Chloe to jump from her hatchback onto the mole. This giant monster is still in hot pursuit. Uh, Wild Dog slaps some C4 on the hatchback. And then Chloe leaps into Wild Dog's arms. And do you think that probably the C4 probably enticed her to get out of there? I think that was the nudge she needed. Yeah, I, think I, think so. the, I think the explosives at her back. I think she was like, ah, maybe this is not a safe ride anymore. So uh, once they're inside the Mighty Mole, uh, Wild Dog blows the hatchback against this angry fungus monster. And then now we begin the Scooby-Doo chase. It's a uh, double-page spread of... The Mighty Mole sort of uh, carving tunnels through the ground while the fungus monster is in, like, hot pursuit right behind it. And uh, it really shows this is a serious mining machine because it's it's boring these tunnels with a laser of some kind. I'm not sure. It's some kind of a beam. Yeah. So rapidly that it can engage in a chase. You know what I mean? Like, you got to think about this. Like... It's happening at, at at an unbelievable speed. This is not a uh, a thing with a giant drill bit on the front. This thing is just wiping away the earth. Uh, at one point, they even go underwater. It doesn't seem to bother them. They just kind of keep tunneling through uh, this water as it fills the tunnel. Uh, while they're doing this, though, while being chased, that's when Cave tells Chloe about her birthright and why they're being chased in the first place. If you remember, she's the Princess of Muldrug, the underground society city i'm not sure exactly yeah, what it is like um, yeah. because her mother was a the queen of muldrug but they never they kept this secret from her so she's kind of a, she's a half and half half human half muldrug uh that place was the place that ebx for that was cave carson's previous employer that he just quit by stealing their mighty mole and running out of there <laughs> uh they wanted access to the two uh muldrug for the mining rights um and so that's what he, he tells her. She's pretty stunned by this. Eventually, the team settles in a cavern full of glowing green crystals. And there's a face-off with the giant fungus monster thing. Uh, they kind of regard each other while the monster's crawling on the roof of this cave. Uh, this is this right here was some awesome Silver Age uh, stuff, I thought, right here. Absolutely. Uh, cave explains that the glowing rocks in the cave are Uvinium, which makes worms grow extra big. You know, hooray for science, pseudo and otherwise. I, I think that's real. Uh, you think so? Uvinium? Uh, you, yeah. you mine a lot of uvinium. They, they grow giant giant worms. Uh, we worms. Never... worms the size of your fist. Yeah, and as we're going to find <laughs> out, larger. So uh, first the monsters beset by a bunch of just oversized, beefy white worms. They seem to run a few feet long, and they're kind of chunky. 
But mm. then this thing, the sandworm from Beetlejuice, pops out of the ground. You said it once. Uh-oh. I'm going to try not to say it two more <laughs> times or we'll be in big trouble. But uh, the Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. So this thing uh, popped out of the ground. It's just <laughs> this massive, uh, I don't even know what to say. It's a kind of got a gross tendrils coming out of its face, if you even call that a face. Yeah. Sort of a predator mouth. Um, and uh, that's it's going to do battle with this uh, giant fungus monster. Uh, meanwhile, Cave and Company, they are held in place by some giant worms that seem to have wrapped themselves around the Mighty Mole. So Wild Dog steps out and blasts them off. I, I like that he actually like, almost like gets out and pushes. Yep. You know, when you get down to it, right? It's, the mechanics are the same. As long as it's a vehicle, he's got to do the same kind of thing. Uh, then he hops back in, almost bringing the worms in with him. Uh, and almost losing his feet at the ankles. Uh, it doesn't really happen, but it looks like a worm does lose its face somewhere in there, but uh, yeah. it's a close call. Um, and as they peel away, we watch that the big fungus monster is ripped into by the kaiju worm in the background behind them. Pretty good uh, and gross page. You know, sure. This book is, because the art is so stylized and cartoony, it definitely lessens the impact of the gore. But there's gore in every issue so far, or at least the last two that I could think of. There's, you know, this is, it may look like a kid's comic. This is not a kid's comic. This is a uh, yeah. pretty rough comic in a lot of ways. Plus the cursing is not, uh, it's not Child limited. Friendly. Yeah. <laughs> so now back to that prologue page I didn't want to talk about. It seems that a fellow named Johnny Blake got a call in the middle of the night from Paul Borstein, the CEO of EBX. You remember him. He was that a douche with the ponytail last issue who's... Uh, office cave blew up with his pen. Uh, mm-hmm. We weren't sure if he lived or died. Well, he lived. He made uh, it. He made it somehow. He's put by the protection of the ponytail, probably. Probably. Uh, so uh, there's obviously a problem. Johnny has to hot foot it down to EBX. Uh, I looked into it. Johnny Blake was a spelunker, and he was part of Cave Carson's team in the 1960s series that ran in Showcase. Uh, Never heard of I, him before. I I thought he uh, when I, before we before we got a last name. I was thinking it was uh, Johnny. I thought maybe it was Johnny Double, that uh, Private Eye from the seventies. Oh yeah. It just seemed like something that they would yank out for this. <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, it's Blake, and I I was glad to see you did the research so I didn't have to. I was almost positive there was a Johnny on the Challenges of the Unknown, but it wasn't Johnny. Bla- I don't think actually looking into it, I, I think there wasn't, but. Uh, I just was wrong. And again, just highlights the fact that you and I just, this is just a blind spot in our DC knowledge. We just never heard and really looked at a Cave Carson book. So, uh, and I think all the challengers have like one syllable names. Isn't it like Rex, and yeah. Pete, and Ace? And Ace, Rex, <laughs> and I've got the, the other two. Yeah, but yeah it's, it's all one name, and, then, and most of them aren't really names in the colloquial sense. Yeah. Although nowadays, you, you see, never know. Seeing what kids are named, I heard about a kid on the West Coast name was Concept the other day. Yeah, so that's good. A, a conceptual yeah. child. Anyway, <laughs> the reason Johnny Blake has been brought down to EBX is time to deal with Carson. Uh, you know, they want their Mighty Ball back, and they want Carson back. And he doesn't mention it, but they actually also want Chloe back so she can get into Muldrug, obviously. Mm-hmm. So Johnny gets a, a newer Mighty Mole that looks even sleeker. And uh, it's being loaded with uh, an unusual number of weapons. And Johnny brings it up to Paul, but Paul just kind of brushes them off. Yeah. Um... So, uh, Paul eventually leaves Johnny in care of a guy named Ace, who might be the Ace from the Challengers of the Unknown, 
Uh, doesn't really look like him, but could be him. It's hard to say. You, they, you know, the image, you only get this one panel, and then you get a little bit of him later on, so it's hard to say. Um, and Ace has a team of his own to operate the Mighty Mole. Uh, I guess that would be Ace Ace Carson's team. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's a, good, a fellow named McGregor on navigation, Marquez on weapons. They got uh, Doc Fihal on doctoring, and some nameless twins on engine duty. It needs to be operated by two people, I suppose. Sort of like Pacific Rim, right? They got to do the uh, handshake. <laughs> you didn't see it, I bet. I didn't see it. Uh, that's all right. Uh, back underground, <laughs> Team Carson has uncovered cache number four that uh, Cave Carson left there sometime previously. We've got a bunch of comforts in there. They're hanging out, enjoying the new uniforms and MREs. I like how he has new uniforms in there, including apparently a new wild dog uniform. Like he, yep. Well, he just he just prepared. Do you have everyone's uniform just in case something happened? You know. Uh, Maybe he was just a real big fan of high school football. Possibly. He just had a bunch of jerseys. It just happened yeah. to be happened to be the ones he was like this. I was gonna wear these anyway, but you know, since you're here, it kind of worked out a, in your favor. He's a big fan of the Quad City Red Dogs. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Cave takes this time to talk to Chloe personally, explain why he never revealed her legacy, you know, about being that princess of Muldrew, specifically. Uh, she's pissed off that, his, that her parents lied to her, and Chloe storms off. Uh, back at poor, Paul Borstein, still disheveled office, still having remnants of being blown up. Uh, this scene was a little strange to me. I was sort of confused by it, but I think it'll be... Uh, highlighted more information will come later. He's hanging out with his dad who looks about a a billion years old and he's in this kind of shady trench coat and fedora and his dad asks about his day which is a touching father-son moment that is also creepy like all good (laughs) father-son moments. Uh, Soon dad will have to fulfill his promise to the whisperer. Whatever that means. We don't know what that means yet. We don't know. Back into the cave with the cave. But he also leaves the chair wet. Like he sweated all over. Did I miss something? I mean, this guy almost looks like he might not be human, the way he's wearing this trench. And, oh, yeah, it's all covered in some kind of It's all covered in goop or sweat because Paul, he calls his uh, secretary and asks for a new chair. Yeah, and actually, now that I'm looking, you can see he's kind of left goop on other things as he's going around. As he's walked away, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's something strange with this this guy. He's not altogether human or something we'll learn more and i'm sure that whisperer has something to do with it so uh whatever this was this that was i think just something tantalizing yes for future issues but uh yeah i didn't even notice the wetness there his glandular problem good eye he could just be sweaty i know i can be like that believe me sometimes i like, get up from a seat i like want to run out of the room yep I uh, right out. <laughs> um anyway back to the cave cave carson is hallucinating his wife in an underground waterfall Maybe the Uvinium is making this happen. It's hard to say. Uh, the whole, you know, hallucination seems very glowy and green to me, but it's also is, I mean, the coloring in this book is really outlandish and bright. Yes. So it's hard exactly to say. He might just be hallucinating it because he loves his wife and remembers her fondly, but that's what he does. He hallucinates that. Uh, Wild Dog snaps him out of it and says that they're ready to take off. But before they leave... Chloe reconciles with her dad, which is a touching father-daughter moment, and that means they had problems with each other for what two hours. At, at the very least, yeah. I, you at know, the very I, most. yeah. I think all <laughs> all your family fights have gotten over that quickly, right? About two to one and a half, two hours. Twenty-three minutes. Twenty-three. That's that's the limit. That's we, it. We have, no, we have to have commercial breaks in there. So. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and then at the very end, it's always you know you somebody saying I'm sorry. Oh, it's all right. And then the music kicks on. Music kicks in and the laugh track if a, if the dog mm-hmm. falls over. 
<laughs> so the uh, Cave Carson, uh, the team, they cruise over onto Muldrug, and this really seems like a really bad idea to me because isn't that exactly where EBX wants Chloe to be? You figure, right? I mean, it's I, like, I, who are you working for? <laughs> I would take her to like the other side of the, of the planet if I could, yes. you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, I wouldn't go right to where, but I guess... Uh, you know, they want to find out the full scope of what's happening here. On the way there, they see a lot of uh, slaughtered Muldrugans, uh, including some uh, children, which is a little bit disturbing. And maybe some bits of fungus monsters, or a fungus monster, right? It looks like maybe. there's a, a green hand with some slime coming out of it, so... They put up a fight. Something happened here. Uh, and then as they approach the gates of the city, they can see that Muldrug has been sacked. Mm-hmm. And then we leave that story there, and then we go into the backups by Tom Skiola. Uh And Chris is going to explain that first backup very clearly, like he did last uh, time. Uh, 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 yes. <laughs> we've got the we've got the Wonder Twins in Victoria Victorian times, and uh, they've got a dismembered Superman on like a mounted on a plaque on a wall. Yeah, I think. Get uh, it? No, no, that's in his backpack. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but it doesn't explain. That makes it even less interesting like, or, or less understandable. Like, why? What is happening? You were, you were right both times. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, well, there's that too. Uh, yeah, I don't know what is happening here. No, I could, I could, I could definitely do without these. If they decided to drop them today, I'd be okay with it. They seem to, they seem to get their powers in this, but yeah, there's no real like linear narrative. Um, no. There's something, you know. I'll tell you, if they'd done this once. I would have dug it just because the art is kind of weird. Yeah, it's, it's quirky. Yeah, it's nice quirky. Yeah. But now we're getting this, you know, three three issues in a row, and it's it's getting less clear, if anything. Or I'm just unable to like wrap my brain around it or want to dive into it the way I need to. But uh, yeah, it's a little it's a little stupid. The other there's another backup of one page that I actually <laughs> liked a little more personally, even though sure it really is more of the same kind of silly thing. But. Uh, it's a retelling of Green Arrow's origin, and it ties in a lot of variations, which is him as like a playboy cat, and then the time, you know, in other origins, he spent a long time on an island. On that island, yep. Uh, and then it sort of even brings in his, like, you know, uh, ecologically minded, his socially minded character later on, and a little bit of Starro in there, too, just for fun, mm-hmm. with a nod to the Silver Age character, Zine Arrow, which is one of my favorite Green Arrow stories. This was in uh, Adventure Comics number 253, October 1958. And Zine Arrow is the gigantic superhero protector of Dimension Zero. Uh, he's telepathic and takes his cues from uh, Green Arrow of our dimension, mm-hmm. which was not uncommon in the Silver Age for there to no. be these these other these other versions, right, running around. That's, That's pretty tame for the Silver Age. It's yeah. true. He had Batman of Planet X, who later on became of Zer and R, and I think there Zer was also, there was also a. Uh, Superman's brother or something who turned out to be from another dimension. It was really uh, dimensions were easy to to, to cross in the 50, 50s. Yeah, <laughs> but that does wrap up every page of Cave Carson as a cybernetic eye number three and. Uh, the backups notwithstanding, I mean, you know, it's, well, I mean, you know, you know, by the time you get to the backups, you've already gotten 22 pages of story. So you've gotten a full comic. Sure. So it, in my mind, I feel like I can't fault this thing on the backups. They, no, you know, I would never score it down for them. It's I would, just I would score up, there. though, if, if I thought they no. were great. So, yeah, so there's something good. to be said there. Like, uh, If there was something more to them, they could have added a lot, but they don't really take a lot away. They seem to have nothing to do with Cave Carson uh, in either case. So they exist. Otherwise, I really enjoy the heck out of this book. Uh, Certainly. Uh, the, the style is cartoony, and as I was telling Chris before the show, 
Uh, I've definitely warmed up to this style. High action. Um, definitely some brutality. Definitely a lot of gore in it. This is an adult comic, despite its sort of Dexter's Laboratory look. But uh, yeah. it's 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 really a lot of fun, and uh, it's it's a good counterpart to Doom Patrol and Shade, which are more heady, you yeah, know, mental comics. I guess we could we could call that because they are both in your mental and drive you mental. Mm-hmm. So uh, I gave this one an eight out of ten. What, what did you think of it, Chris? I'm I'm right on there with you. About an eight out of ten. There, it's uh, yeah, I, I'm really happy to see Oming doing some action. Uh, so much of what I've read of his is uh, powers, and uh, a lot of that is standing around and talking. Mm. So it's nice seeing him actually do some high action here. It's uh, he's he's quite good at it. Yeah, the the the, the storytelling and the layouts are great. They're they're perfectly mm-hmm. easy to understand and. Uh, Coloring is crazy, and I like it a lot. Oh, it's great! I like that. Is that one scene with uh, with what's his face in the office drinking uh, drinking from a glass, and like the uh, the the bindi dots are on on yeah. of his face. I mean, it's just so so interesting to look at, and the, and it's it's great that the story is also uh, intriguing. It is, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm ready to read the next one. You know, to find out Certainly. about Muldrug. Uh, I don't know what the full scope of this book is going to be or even how it's doing but i would definitely give this a strong recommend and i'd i would say also you know i often say about doom patrol and shade that if you're weird uh (laughs) check those comics out you don't have to be too weird for this one you know know, it it really is a straightforward action story and uh you know maybe a little weird to take the art but basically if you like seeing a guy blow people away with guns and explosions and you know uh, people's guts hanging out. This book could be for you. And I do like that they like Wild Dog is not he's not a joke here. No. Like I I think coming up in the '90s I was first exposed to him in like Wizard magazine where they made fun of him. So he was like the Mort of the month. He's you know the the bad character we're gonna lampoon this month. And uh, I'm not sure he ever shook that. <laughs> and uh, it's just nice to see him looked at non-ironically. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, we don't, we don't get too deeply into it, but there's a lot of dialogue exchange between he and Cave in the book, and you really get the the impression that these two guys are just real friends, you know, they're, they're bonded pals, together yeah. through their adventures yeah, and adventures, stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's not a matter of he's not the comic relief. In fact, if anything, he's the whatever the reverse of comic relief is. He's the explosion relief. You want to call it say that? <laughs> yeah, he's he's more he's he's less Deadpool and more Punisher. You know, it's uh, absolutely. It's, That's a great way to put it. He's more, yeah. He's business. He's not gag. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool to see, and you know, the the book uh, is not, you know, it's not a light book, but I don't feel like it's too heavy, even despite that. You know, it seems to have no. seems to have enough characterization, and this relationship between Chloe and her father is is interesting enough to keep me certainly uh, reasonably invested. But this up for this week. Um, next week we do have Mother Panic number two, and uh, the week after that we got Shade the Changing Girl number four. So it's yep. a c- couple of solid weeks of Chris Sheehan coming at that? you, folks. So uh, <laughs> brace yourselves. He's about Ready to not. about to pick apart your favorite books and make you cry. No, I don't think I'll do that. <laughs> um, but I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. You got anything else for him? No, I think that I think that'll do us. Well then, until next week when we will review number Mother Panic for the show, we're gonna keep it young and animalistic. See ya.
Hey yo, when you wanna get down, you check that sound They ball a ball a microphone out like a four pound Tell you how to get wound up below ground It was just the other day I was out walking around Seen the phone booth with the bell, said ah well I need to call my broker, sell my intel Trap doors open the floor in the DL Said what the hell, slipped and fell And then the next thing I know I dropped down and shoot Somebody obviously think Every lifetime comes a love like this. Oh, I need you, you need me. Oh, my darling, can't you see? Young one, darling, with a young one. A young one shouldn't be afraid to live, love. There's a song to be sung, cause we may not be the young ones very long. everybody welcome back it's the young animal segment with chris and reggie for the week of december 28 2016 the last week of the year chris it is and uh, we finished with a little young animal a little young animal coda to the year which we don't always get uh but this week we got uh, a, uh one of the new one of the brand new characters for a young animal which which book do we get this week well we're going out of 2016 with a whimper it's mother panic number two uh, this is called A Work in Progress, Part 2, written by Jody Hauser, with art by Tommy Lee Edwards. So, <laughs> we, <laughs> we pick up a little bit after we left off uh, last issue here. Uh, we got Mother Panic walking down a long hallway into a room full of shackles. Uh, when she opens the door, she appears to be a bit displeased that the room is bereft of her prisoner. And uh, well, she, what is, uh, what is this this hallway? Do you think these are all lockers, or these look like bathroom stalls? I'm unclear. I, I'm not sure if it's like uh, like cubicles or offices or or bathrooms. But or they all have just... locks on them, don't they? I, yeah. Did, did you ever see that movie, uh, The Principal, with uh, John Belushi? Not John Belushi, his son, his brother Jim Belushi. You know what I'm talking about? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the final scene it takes place in this high school shower that's set up like this, like it's the perfect scene to like take someone <laughs> into a shower and beat them senseless with a you know, a bar of the soap or something. Soap, yep. Exactly. But uh, anyway, I, 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 that's definitely, I say I recommend everyone see that movie if they do enjoy a shitty movie. There you go. So there it is. <laughs> now she punctuates her point here by uh, cursing a lot. Yeah. Which is a, which is a theme here. Right from the first the first caption, she's cursing. Yeah. Dropping F-bombs yeah. right away. Yeah, and, I, and I, when I reviewed this on the site, I was talking about how when I was a kid, if I came across a book that had a lot of cursing in it, I would have thought it was the coolest thing ever and would have been like an indictment on my maturity. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's the kind of thing you want to get caught with because like it'll it'll show the grownups that comics can be for adults, too. You know, mm-hmm. seeing this now, if, if my wife would walk by and look over my shoulder, <laughs> I, I would be cringing. You'd be like, <laughs> you'd, but, you'd switch to the porn window. You'd be like, oh, no, no, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just looking at plain old porn. Nothing, nothing wrong here. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so she's in there. She's Carson. She's not happy. Uh, we flash back to her childhood, where uh, she is awoken from her bed and uh, comes out to uh, to the living room where she overhears, uh, which it's a, it's a conversation between her father and and a fellow who. Is this the same guy? Uh, is this the Hemsley guy? I think so, but it's not clear, and that's, not clear. A, that's a big problem. Like you think they would say the name, yeah, somewhere, but at no point do they make it clear. But yeah, that that seems to be the implication. 
But it because so her father is talking with Hemsley, and uh, they're talking about Hemsley spending one hour with her, quote unquote. Um, and you know the father's like, well, she's not going to keep quiet about it, and he's like, ah, who's going to believe her anyway? So we might be heading down the path of sexual abuse, or at the very least, the threat of it. Yeah. Which uh, you know it's a cliche, but <laughs> we'll continue. Um, back in the present. Violet is attending a benefit for the Gotham Victims Fund and Gala, wherein all the attendees are in victim costumes, uh, featuring various grotesqueries like axes through their heads, bleeding eyes, and bullet holes riddled in their body. I mean, this this yeah. is so like uh, gross, you know what I mean? And like, uh, it's not pleasant. This is this is not the way to like represent victims, for God's sake, you know? It's like this guy looks like he's it's been like mocking it. It right? really is like a mockery of the victims. Like, geez, what is wrong with you people? Especially when she gets to the roof, and some of them have Joker paint on them. Right. Well, this is where taste comes to die. That is what she says. That's what she says. uh, That should be on the cover of the book. (laughs) Anyway, she heads to the roof where the parties are assembled, including Helmsley. Uh, He's talking to uh, a couple of dames about uh, getting a new ride delivered to his home garage the following morning. This gives Violet the information she needs to to attest to where his uh, whereabouts are going to be the next day and where she could find him. Uh, also, while she's up there, we learn about a group of homeless children that have gone missing. Uh, th- that, that, that seems to just come out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, I mean, I assume this is going to be all part... It's, I mean, you know, part of the issue with this book is that, yeah, the story is coming together, and as we, we talked mm-hmm. about before this segment, the story is advanced, but so incrementally and not... It's, it's, it's not like... Things are coming into view in the center. Yeah, it's like it's more like one of those old pictures where you get like a pixel here, a pixel there, and like down the line, it it, it makes something together. But but on the way, you have you're so lost. You know what I mean? Like what you know? We're downloading and, with a 1200 dial-up modem. That kind of thing. You know, I wish I could walk <laughs> away and come back, and this book would make sense. But it's it's and and I don't want I don't want to make it seem like it it makes zero sense because it no, does no. it does make some linear sense you can follow the story but you you're left with i think too many questions at, at this this at this juncture of the story where uh too many questions and not enough of them are interesting that's the thing and not enough of them that i really know if i care about the answer yeah. you know <laughs> Now, uh, now she her mission is accomplished. She knows where Hemsley's going to be the next day. That's all she really wanted. So she goes to leave. Along the way, she approaches a fella and she picks him up. Hey. Uh, he's about to say something, and she, you know, she does a, you know, she puts their finger over his lips like, shh, stop, mm-hmm. don't talk. And uh, what they didn't takes- show is that she actually scratched her butt with that finger. So it was kind of a delicious it was a, prank. Yeah, yeah, that was, it was off. A panel. Stink finger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, she takes him back to her car, where we get her to see her chauffeur makes uh, makes a mention of Violet's sexuality, uh, where he says that maybe being with women was just a phase after all. To which, what does she tell him? Eat your own, his dick. own dick. Yeah. All right. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's our protagonist. Um, now, back at the Mother Panic compound, that uh, I, I can't think of a better name for it. Sure. Uh, the bodyguard we met last issue wanders the hallways, desperately seeking a way out. I'm guessing that he was the uh, the bounty in that room. Yeah, it looks. That, I mean, they, they imply that too. You see the open handcuffs yeah. in the first panel. So yeah, it's got to be the same guy. Hopefully. Uh, now he, uh, as he's walking, he overhears what he believes to be a discussion coming from a from behind a door that is partially ajar. Uh, curiosity getting the best of him, he enters and he finds himself among overgrown wilderness. 
Uh, he continues to giant mushrooms, like from giant another planet. Mushrooms. Yeah, I mean, this is like yes. like Lewis Carroll level mushrooms over here. I don't really, <laughs> but these uh, these came from Krypton. Oh, all right, um, fair enough. <laughs> the gravity isn't as strong here; they get taller. Um, now he enters and he finds himself, uh, like I said, among that wilderness, and he brushes his way through the foliage and comes to a clearing where Violet's mother is having a tea party with some of the local fauna. Uh, he sits down, she offers him some tea, and they uh, they chat for a little bit. Uh, from here, we find out that uh, they're both being watched. Uh, there's cameras focused on Violet's mother, and there's a woman watching them on a bank of monitors. When I first saw this, I thought it was Violet. I did for a second, too, but you can <laughs> see it, it isn't, and it can't be according to the timeline, but yes. No. I guess it's security. They're secure. And it looks like, if you look out the window, it looks like she's got, like, the city skyline. Yeah. So she's not. Uh, the implication is she's not there. She's not at, at the compound at uh, no, <laughs> Mother Panic. She's remote compound. location. Yes. Also, just so just so everyone remembers that Mother, that Violet's mother is crazy. She is not. And she's 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 saying crazy things and she's in this crazy room. So that's. I, mean, I, I have a feeling that's important. So I just don't want to leave it yeah, out. Don't want to leave it out. Yeah. She's having full-on conversations with Dia. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> now we return to Violet and find that she and the nameless fella she'd picked up had just had a little sexy time. Mm-hmm. He's quite pleased and relieved, but she just lies there, says she doesn't care. Uh, as he falls to, as he falls asleep, she heads to the bathroom to have a cigarette. While she's in the bathroom, she slices her finger with his shaving razor, and uh, with the blood, she draws frowny faces with X's on their for eyes all over his walls. You know, kind of like most of. Uh, yeah. Do, right? Oh yeah. This that, that happened to me plenty of times. I was, I was like another one. Yes. And uh, you know, if this wasn't the peak of maturity, she leaves the room while flipping him the bird. Yeah. And she says, and he's asleep. Sh- that should keep him from calling. Now, so so this is the way she stops a guy from calling is slicing her finger. And and like this whole idea that she somehow got his goat. You know, I, I've been a guy for a long time, Chris, and I gotta <laughs> tell you that you know, especially as a young guy. Hey, as long as you get laid, you can spray all the blood. You know, you can draw all the happy faces on my wall. You, you want? I, you know, I don't give a shit. You know, it's just a means to an end. She makes it seem like she screwed this guy, and I guess she literally did. Yes, but it's it's like this is like such high school crap. It is. It is yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. It's you know, I mean, it's, to be honest, the way adults do it is just leave. That's the way they do it. You know, there's no the there's no drawing right? faces I mean, on the wall. Just leave yeah, the place like, and don't leave your number. It's a good thing he didn't have any small pets, right? I mean, <laughs> eesh. Um, I, anywho, the next morning, Mother Panic takes to the skies of Gotham, and we get this month's Bat Family cameo to remind us that we are in Gotham City. Uh, today, it's Batwoman, who, upon seeing Mother Panic, questions why any vigilante would choose to wear white. And that's it. Good question. Um, yeah, why not? Uh, Mother Panic arrives at her destination, which is Hemsley's garage. She beats up Hemsley's, Hemsley's security guard for no good reason, and then <laughs> well, she, it, it almost like, it's, she stomps on his head, and it's almost like yeah. she, like she caves his head into his body or something. Like you know, like is that guy alive? I don't. Know. I think he's dead. <laughs> and, I mean, and, and he was just as ticked off with Hemsley as she. I know, like the guy didn't do anything wrong. He ate <laughs> Hemsley too, but it was so weird. He's like, ah, oh, this guy's an asshole, and then crush. <laughs> um, anyway, she then turns and throws a tire iron through the windshield of Hemsley's new whip. She asks about the missing homeless kids. Remember them? Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, He frantically reaches into his jacket to retrieve an address where the kids are being held, so she figured out that he's behind it, and I guess he kind of copped to it. Um, Quickly, too. Let me tell you. I mean, if if this guy has a child... 
you know, if he's child slavery ring, he really was a bad guy to get into this because he just gives it up. Yeah. Like, and he's and he's got the address written already on a matchbook in his pocket. I mean, you know, exactly. It's all right. It's, it's this, is, this was this is not a great operation here, folks. You can pull no, yourselves I, together, child uh, traffickers of the world. Yeah, I hope they didn't tell him where the treasure was buried. Or anything. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's in the ship under the sewer. But uh, no, he reaches in, he grabs that matchbook, and before he can, you know, hand it to her, she sprays his hand with acid. <laughs> and he drops it. Uh, she then jumps up on the roof of the car and stomps and caves it in somewhat. Uh, she picks up the matchbook with the address and notices that he is still alive. Uh, so she says, I can fix that. And she takes aim with her death glove gun thing or maybe acid something so, something maybe. to kill a, a person is in there yeah it, it's like it's like Mega Man pointing his uh, <laughs> opening fist at yeah. uh, <laughs> we then hit a flashback with her not being able to kill a deer because we heard about that last issue yep. and uh, we learn that she is still unable to take that shot here and so she curses a lot and leaves yeah, uh, and then he ends up in a warehouse full of cars, I guess, of other wrecked he, cars. He wakes up a little bit later, and she's already gone, and uh, he's confused. He doesn't know anything's going on, and he's uh, one hell of a criminal mastermind. Uh, now, this takes us to our closing, which is a flashback. Uh, Violet and her father are away for the weekend, and it's implied that Hemsley, or whoever that guy was from the beginning, is there, too. Uh, she confronts her father over bringing her here to be with that gross pervert words not mine even though he is a gross pervert uh now we got to mention here that she is carrying a hunting rifle mm-hmm. uh, the father denies this and attempts to reinforce that everything he does and everything he will do is in her best interest always uh she tells him what she'd overheard and he tells her that he was talking about her mother that's the one who he's going to get an hour with not her uh, she turns away, he places his hand on his shoulder, and she turns around and blows a hole in his gut with a rifle. Mm, blam. To be continued. I, I also just want to quickly point out that when Violet's mother panic is, is beating on Helmsley, or Helm, Helms, Hemsley, Helms, whatever it is, uh, they go back to that same thing where they kind of have those panels those of... Those strange uh, little symbols, like a bleeding strawberry. And it's still not a... Yeah, but so I, I guess, I think kind of, <laughs> I, I mean, maybe, I might be, I'm definitely reading too much into it, and I hope it just gets explained more of what's happening. But like, for example, you know, she, she's got her arms outstretched, and it's sort of got like the same look as like this fossilized bird, and then the, the, the guy's head's getting crushed, and you see a, a strawberry looks like it's getting crushed. Uh... So I think that, I don't know, she's remembering some kind of, like, implanted imagery to help her perform murderous feats. I, I, I have no Perhaps. idea. I don't know. You know, I, I, I just, I'm hoping it's something, and not just a strange artistic choice that's like, what is it? Like, literally, if that's, if it's just an artistic choice... Then it's just trolling. That's all it is. They're just fucking with us. Because you know what I mean? Because it's, it's, it's we're it's, looking for symbols here. It, this book is already you know not exactly crystal clear, and you're gonna throw in red herrings. Well, fuck you. You know what I mean? That's the, <laughs> that's not Sherlock Holmes action. But uh, let's no. take a minute on the uh, backup too. Yes, our backup strip is again holiday themed. This time it's Christmas. Um, we meet a podcaster who appears to be somewhat of a straw man conservative type, um, complaining about the war on Christmas. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, you know, that deep, biting commentary that uh, feels right at home in this book. <laughs> Which uh, is to say, would feel right at home in a ninth grader's creative writing project. He's, I mean, he's actually wearing a American flag bandana. Bandana. You know I mean, like, yes, don't it, tread the only on thing, me. The only thing he's not wearing is a MAGA hat. <laughs> 
That would be for, awesome. For Christ's sake. And really now. I mean, oh. this is a... Uh, this is some biting commentary. You see, I, I, I saw a lot of uh, I saw a lot of Trump analogs in the comics recently too. Obviously, it's uh, t- yeah. The time has come due for those those drawings <laughs> people made in October to, to be uh, ready for publication. But uh, exactly. Yeah, this backup, uh, you know, it wasn't great. Kind of stupid. Yeah. It, but it, but like all the young animal things, it's only a couple of Take pages. Take it or leave it. I, yeah. I you know uh, definitely any score we apply to this has is irrespective of the backup it doesn't it doesn't you know if it was great it would probably perk us up but if it's bad it's 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 not, not anything to do anything and and like we both said uh i like the art and i did like this a little bit better than the last backup but we're, we're talking about you know by inches here we're not talking about yeah. it it's a great or anything so uh kind of disappointing what are you what are your general thoughts here um let's see here uh, i think it was uh as down as as I've been on it throughout this discussion, I think it was a little bit better than the first issue, just because something happened. Um, Mother Panic herself is a wildly unpleasant character. Um, the writing is uh, what I'd consider junior high edgy. Um, it's really, uh, you know, you, you can take pot shots at very safe targets. But the, you can give the biting commentary to that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, we have, you know, uh, you know, who likes sexual predators? Nobody. Yeah. Well, Nobody I mean, maybe them. other sexual predators, but we don't, we don't care what. Well, them. I think they see them say see each other as competition. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's like this, and and I mean, at this point in time, who likes a guy with an American flag bandana on his head? Yeah. So, it, even though it, that it, was a different writer. It's shooting um, fish in a barrel, though. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know the the storytelling. We talked about the storytelling off the air, and it's like it's it's kind of lacking. Yeah. Um, uh, and and I <laughs> since rebirth happened, I, I feel anytime I'm either writing or discussing a rebirth book, I say that I'm optimistic, and I'm getting sick of saying that. Yeah. Because it, because when you're optimistic, something has to eventually deliver. And uh, th- I mean, this is only two issues in, but I mean that's eight dollars. Mm-hmm. That's eight bucks. That's 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 a pretty big investment into a story that's gone not very far. Yeah, and it's it's not it's not grabbing you, and it, it might grab others, no. but for an eight dollar sure, investment, sure. it's uh, you know, like you know, if if we were if we were buying these, we would probably stop at this point, you know, and uh, move so. on. And you know, I'm, we are enjoying the other titles, and I definitely would be buying. I probably would buy all, you know, Cave. Shade and Doom Patrol, but I definitely, I definitely yeah. be buying Doom Patrol and Shade. So it's not 100%. like it's not an indictment of this line in any way. But this yeah. one, you know, I, I gotta ask you a weird question. What do you think hmm. if this was the same book, but not the cursing, which meant it was like teen approved? You know, I don't know because I, I don't know because a lot of her petulance comes from comes from the cursing. Yeah, and, and I mean, I have no problem with profanity in comics, but this is just kind of cringy. Well, you know, um, sometimes it's. A certain character or a certain situation. I mean, usually bad guys are supposed to do the cursing, right? <laughs> you know, that, that, that's usually how they set it up. And and to have everyone just throwing you know the f bombs around, yeah, it, it really it doesn't it. mean anything anymore. Yeah, I, I it personally speaking, this I, this comic, I think that the the character and the setting and what's going on so far, it doesn't speak to me. I definitely got a vibe from this that this might speak to a goth. You know, kid, as I knew them in hmm. you know 1990, whatever. So uh, this sure. is, I don't know what the hell the trends are today, but there's there's got to be a, there's got to be some analog to that. A, a sad, you know what I mean? A, a kid that you know thinks sad thoughts and hates the world. I'm sure that I'm sure they got those today too. So um, I got that vibe that that some kid might like that might like it, but 
technically speaking, a kid like that would never see it because this is a, for you know mature. This is a mature yeah. reader's book. Now, of course, as we know. A lot of uh, comic shops, yeah, yeah, comic shops aren't exactly checking IDs at the door. But <laughs> I'm just saying, technically speaking, this isn't for a 16-year-old. Whereas thematically, no. I would say it's perfectly for a 16-year-old. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I hate the world. I hate adults. I hate you know gender rules and whatever. Yeah. These stuff. And uh, here it is. You know, rich people getting back at rich people. It's like a, you know, almost like a fucking kid's <laughs> dream come true of, of something that is never really going to happen. Sure. But sure. Uh, but yeah, by having the cursing. Because um, you know this book isn't really that violent. No. You know they had they had the guy the guy's head getting crushed, but there was nothing I saw that I was like, whoa, that's like Cave Carson's a little over the top. Just yeah. to compare, just to compare the two books, like Cave Carson, as like cartoony as that looks, I wouldn't want a kid to look at that. That that gets sure. a little gory. I don't even they they barely curse in that too. They drop a couple of words, but uh. Yeah, it's just but but when they do, it's like it's because there's a giant space creature following them yeah, or a and, giant worm. And they drop like, an okay, S bomb. You know, yeah. yeah. They're not just they're not just casually flinging it around at each other. And yeah. uh, but this book, there's nothing visually that I would say is inappropriate for. No, a reasonable 13, 14 year old. But yeah, it's the language. Uh, You know, I could see people having a problem with that. And it's something to think about. You got to think about your audience. I I don't think this is a book for 25 and up people. No. uh, Personally, you know, not. And if people. You know, it it could rock your socks. It's really not for us to say. But I I think the overwhelming thought is that this is skewed to uh, younger. Yeah. A younger uh, adult reader, yeah. A younger, angrier adult reader, and you know, and of course, whatever it is, you like what you like, and it's not, not an indictment of anyone's age or sure what they like. Or maturity but level, yeah. It's it's just it just strikes me as they're they're missing they're missing a trick here by making it less accessible to uh, teenagers that might get more out of it. Um, sure. I, I see you have here, and we and we, you know, you know, I last time had a little problem with the art. I felt like it was a little obtuse for a brand new character in a brand yeah. new setting but I also said at that time I will get more used to it over successive issues and I, I already am I'm already I, I don't I don't love it still I think it's actually kind of lame the art but mm. I'm definitely getting more used to it and, and and seeing what's happening a little more clearly so but I, I I think like we we don't know if that guy is the same guy we don't know if that that guy from the beginning is Hemsley that's an issue uh, you know what I mean yeah yeah that's not that's not something we want to uh, have to say yeah uh, we want it to be made clear I mean if if, if you're gonna draw it like sketchy you know um, give give one guy a monocle you know exactly so we know it's the guy with the monocle or a distinctive there's so many sh- comic shorthand ways to do it. Uh, yeah. A distinctive hairstyle, a, a, an eye patch, mm-hmm. a, a scar that is, stands out, you know. And when you or draw it, for a hand, you, yeah. I mean, a million things. I mean, to be honest, even in a comic, you could even have him always wearing the same shirt. It's a comic book. Who cares? No one, you know, no one's gonna yeah. yell about it being too smelly. Uh, whatever, whatever it is, that there are a million ways that they and they employ none of them to yeah. do to do comic book visual shorthand. I'll be honest, even looking at Violet, scene to scene. You're not positive. It's you know what I mean. You're not positive. It's more by her attitude. It's always different. It's always different. You know. Yeah. And like we were actually, we we just mentioned this off the air. It's like, it's like you're they're using television sensibilities for uh, comic book craft. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, if a dude on a a TV show has long hair or short hair, you know, it's the same guy because it's the same actor. Yep. Here we don't have that luxury. It's just 
okay, it's a white girl. It might be her. Uh, let's, yeah. let's wait around to see if she starts cursing. Exactly. And, uh, that's, that usually is <laughs> indicator. If she starts every every <laughs> sentence with the f bomb, oh, that's violent. That's probably. That violent. must be her. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what would you give this one on the score I, tip? The first the first issue I gave a six five. Um, this one I'm going to give a six point six simply because something happened the story was advanced it's incrementally better you know i think i'm going to end up giving it a 6.5 it is just the second issue and the third issue could be the thing to title you know what i mean that could be sure i mean it it would be good comics if if like we're kind of wandering around wondering wondering and the third issue they answered all the problems for chris and i is we don't care about the answers we're not dragged in we're not compelled to buy the next one and if we were buying them we would be done at this point. Whereas like four dollars a piece, I, I, you know, that would yeah. definitely factor in in a huge way. But you know, if yeah. this if this was a heavily compelling story, we would, we wouldn't be talking about the price. We would no, be no. like, oh man, I can't wait to see what happens. You know, that's sort of like uh, they leave you on a cliffhanger in uh, again in Cave, which mm-hmm. is a book that we were sort of you know tepid about. But I want to I, I really want to see that next issue. That you know what Absolutely. I mean? Like it really gets me, draws me in. And that's a comic where the backup truly does suck, like big time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway. You know, this is this is all. Uh, I, I think that there's there's an audience out there, and that you and I are no part of it uh, is what it not. is. And you know, we're gonna do the we're still gonna follow this as long as we can, as long as we get the uh, comps. Yeah. Um, but it, it's always I think we're always gonna have to make somewhat of a caveat about that. That uh, this is just you know the other books are pretty much right in our wheelhouse. Yeah, this one, this one is not. But uh, you know, hopefully, we will give you enough information you can make a decision of your own. If this sounds cool, if you know, you love the cursing in comics, if you love like weird open-ended stories and, and social justice issues, then this could be your type of uh, type of book. Uh, I gave my score right when I say six five. Yeah, six five. I mean, if you think we just sound like a couple of old men, you'll probably like your book. And you are right. We are a couple of old men. Uh, Chris just had a birthday, and he is uh, 95. So send him, send him, uh, tweet him as many uh, birthday wishes, but they got to be loud because he's they do a little hard of hearing. I've got one of those like one of those curved horns up to my ear. That's how I guess. Hey, Sonny, what's it? I've got a Campbell's soup can and a horn up to my ear. That's there you how go. I do this. <laughs> Oh boy! So next week we have uh, Shade the Changing Girl. I think number four. I got that right, or is it four or five? I think so. Yeah. I think it's four. Uh, And then uh, Doom Patrol got resolicited to the end of the month. Unfortunately, we're we're pretty bummed about that. What year? (laughs) God, please! Uh, (laughs) It's not a great portent, folks. When when you see books Uh, slipping, solicited after solicited, it's something. Yeah, exactly. Like they had it solicited for the eleventh, and then. Two weeks later, it it tells me so. There's a production problem. There's something going on. They're yeah, changing the story. Pages are late. I, there's no way we could know. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, too many too many chicks in the office are gumming up the works. But uh, whatever it is, when it when it gets here, we'll review it. And of course, we, we will hit any other animal, young animal stuff that comes our way. But I think that's going to cash us out for this episode <laughs> and for this year. Chris, do you have anything else for the people? No. Okay, fair (laughs) enough. Uh, Until next uh, week when we do Shade, the Changing Girl, I want you all to keep it young and animalistic. Don't panic, y'all. Back against the wall. Feel the pressure. No way out. Situation getting closer. Time is ticking. Walls are closing. Options narrow now. You're the one that's chosen. Panic.
Adrenaline rush, master mechanic Play your position, blow wigs back with cannons Colors of rhythm, no option left to choose from Cooperation, concoct thoughts that's gruesome Like block for murder with three strikes in Houston